Good evening. It is so good to be here with you tonight at the Bybee Branch Congregation. You know, it is an interesting thing when I travel to different places. Oftentimes they have seen me on television, but they have not seen me in person. And so when I show up and they see me for the first time, almost everywhere I go, someone will say, you're small. (laughs) And it feels kind of like an insult. No one said that tonight, but a sister met me this evening and she said, you look the same in person as you do on TV. And I thought, is that an insult or not? I'm not sure. (laughs) It reminds me when I decided I wanted to preach, I was serving in the Air Force, And my home congregation at the time was going to sponsor me as I went to the Memphis School of Preaching. And before I left, they wanted me to preach one time. And I got up to preach, and I remember that after I did so, someone walked out at the back door, and they said, you really need to go to the School of Preaching. (laughs) And I walked out thinking, does that mean you really need to go to the School of Preaching, or you really need to go to the School of Preaching? I don't know, but uh, sometimes you have to interpret those things. Before I begin tonight, I want to make mention about some of the material that's on the table. When you walk out to the left, there is a table there, and there is material that I brought from the Gospel Broadcasting Network. There are a number of DVDs. All of that material is free. Please pick it up and use it. You can uh, use it yourself, distribute it to others. I would be most pleased if I did not have to pack it up and take it home with me. So please use it. And uh, there's new material. We're always putting out new material. I never know what the secretary is going to pack. So since I was here last, there's different DVDs than we had, probably some of the same. There is also a sign-up sheet there if you would like to receive GBN's newsletter. You can sign that and receive the newsletter. It will be mailed to your house. Write your address. If you would prefer to get it electronically, if you will write your email address and check newsletter, we will send it to you that way. If you want our daily devotional, you can check that, and we will send that to you. We promise we never share your email address with anybody. And so you will not get spammed. We will email you once a week, twice at the most. And so please sign that. There are also some contribution forms. There's a sheet that says, what is GBN? If you flip it over, it's a contribution form. And we get a lot of support out of McMinnville, Tennessee. People that support us, $25 a month. We are in June now. The thing that is significant about that is we begin what we have started calling the summer slump. I guess people graduate, they get married, they go on vacation. But this time of year, our support drops off at the Gospel Broadcasting Network, and we have a hard time in the summer. And so if you would like to start supporting us or make a one-time contribution, send it home with me, mail it in, however you want to do it, we would appreciate it, and it helps us to keep the work going. We don't sell anything. All of our support comes from free will offerings of churches and members of the Lord's body. The topic that is assigned me tonight is distracted by technology. Now, I actually chose this topic. Tony called me, and he gave me a list of topics, and and I said, I think I want that one. And the reason I chose that one is because I work full-time with technology. I am the director of the Gospel Broadcasting Network. We are an organization that has as our goal to use every means of modern technology to reach the world with the gospel. Now, my point is this. Technology in and of itself is not a bad thing. In fact, the way we're using it, I think it is a very, very good thing. Brethren, I believe that God has providentially allowed us to develop the incredible means of technology that we have today so that we can reach people with the gospel. 
You know, on the day of judgment, it could be that the Lord would ask the question, why did you not take the gospel to the whole world? Like I told you in the Great Commission, to which someone might be tempted to respond, well, Lord, there were 8 billion people. How could we possibly take the gospel to everyone to which he may respond? Why did you not use the technology that I gave you? Why did you not use smartphones and the Internet and satellite television? Brethren, I do not believe that God has allowed us to have our modern technology so that we can watch Netflix. I don't think that's what it's all about. I think we have it so that we can use it for the good. Excuse me, the good of the Lord's kingdom. But you see, there's a problem. The problem is the devil also knows how to use technology. And the devil is good at distracting us with technology. Now, personally, I love technology. My job is technology. I have an iPhone. I have an iPad. I have an Apple Watch. I have a MacBook Pro. If Apple makes it, I probably have it. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is reach over and turn off my alarm on my Apple phone. Then I disconnect it, and I pick it up, and I check my email. I check my text messages that might have come in overnight. I look at my Facebook. I look at the morning news. Then I open my app for my air conditioning. I adjust the temperature from the day. That's all before I get out of the bed in the morning. Our lives are completely intertwined with technology. You see why I wanted to speak on this. Now, before I talk about this distracted by technology, let me define my terms. This is what I mean by technology. When I talk about technology, I'm talking about smartphones, tablets, the Internet, television, movies, media, all the high-tech devices through which we communicate, social media, Pinterest, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook. You may say, I don't know what any of those are, but the principle is going to apply to all of these things. And with the onset of all of these new social media and technological devices, there have been some new challenges that we are facing. You know, when Sherry and I got married, we've been married uh, a little over 27 years. When we got married, I didn't have a cell phone. In fact, I don't think I knew anyone that had a cell phone. When we got married, I didn't know anyone that had a computer. If they did, I didn't know about it. When we got married, I didn't know about Internet. I, 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 did, I guess it existed. I'd, I'd never heard of it. I didn't know about email. Now, my point is, these are things that are relatively new in our society. And with the newness comes new challenges. All right, here's our topic, distracted by technology. I'm going to give you three points tonight, and they're going to be these. Number one, minutes. Number two, morality. Number three is mission. Minutes, morality, and mission. When I say minutes, what I'm talking about is time. The devil has used technology to distract us with regard to our time. You know, in John chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. What was the Lord saying? Brethren, the Lord was saying this, I have been put here with a mission. I have a task. I have to manage my time because God the Father has given me a mission to do. I have a limited amount of time to do it, and I've got to stay on point if I'm going to get it done. Same thing's true of us. You know, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 6, uh, verse 16 talks about redeeming the time. He says, because the days are evil. Now, the idea of evil doesn't mean the days are wicked, but it's referring to the fact that the time slips away from us. Make diligent use of the time because it's slipping away. It's escaping us. It's slipping through our grasp. Have you ever started the day and you have a grand list of things you're going to accomplish? I'm going to get this done, this done, and this done. You get to the end of the day and you've got none of it done. And you say to yourself, what in the world? Where did the day go? 
nod your head. That happens to every single one of us, doesn't it? In fact, it happens to me rather frequently. Now, the point is distracted with regard to our time. There is a company called Media Kicks, K-I-X, Media Kicks. They are a marketing company that deals with advertising on social media. On December 16th, or December of 2016, which was about 18 months ago, they published some statistics, some calculations based on the amount of time the average person in the United States of America spends on social media. And this is how they did their calculations. Assume, they assume that the average person starts using social media at the age of 13. I would argue they're wrong about that. I would say it's much younger, but that's how they did their stats. They uh, uh, predicted that the average person would die at the age of 79, and so they said from 13 to 79, you have 66 years of life that we are taking into consideration. They said if you took all of the time that people use on social media and added it together, it totals up to be five years and four months. 66 years, five years and four months on social media. Here's their breakdown. They said 40 minutes per day on YouTube. The average per I don't do that. I don't know if you do, but they say the average person does. 35 minutes a day on Facebook, 25 minutes a day on Snapchat, 15 minutes a day on Instagram, one minute per day on Twitter. And so over a 66-year span of time, five years and four months of use of social media. Now, to put that in comparison, they gave these stats. They said the amount of time the average American spends watching television during that 66-year period is seven years. I think we're looking at five, five years for social media. Seven years and eight months, almost eight years of our, our life spent watching television. The amount of time the average American spends eating and drinking is three years and five months. The amount of time spent grooming is one year and ten months. I had two teenage daughters. I think they spent that just while they were teenagers, but it's a lot more than that. They said socializing, one year and three months, and the amount of time the average American will spend doing laundry is six months. Now you say, well, it's a lot more than that in my house. They said six months. Now what that means is this. The average American will spend more time in his life on social media than he will spend doing laundry, socializing, and grooming put together. He will spend more time on social media than he spends eating and drinking. Now here's our question. Why am I pulling these stats? Because the assignment is distracted by technology. You look at that amount of time, you think we're distracted by technology? Now, you take the five years and four months spent on social media and add to that seven years and eight months watching TV, rather than add it together, that is 13 years of the 66 years that we will spend on social media and television. 13 years of our time. What that means is, I looked up this week, what is the average lifespan of a man in the United States of America? And as of this year, the average lifespan for a man is 76 years old. That means, according to these stats, he will spend 17% of his life watching television and on social media. Let that sink in a minute and let me ask you a question. How does that relate to a person who says, I don't have time to study my Bible. Just too busy for that. I don't have time to memorize Memorize Scripture, that is hard. You know how long it takes me to memorize? I don't have time for that. I don't have time to conduct Bible studies. Brethren, maybe we don't have time because we're distracted. 
Brother Wendell Winkler, who was one of my all-time favorite preachers, he taught at Faulkner University when I was a student there. Years ago, I heard him say that he was teaching a class on financial stewardship. And he suggested in that class that when it comes to giving, that maybe 10% is a good place to start. They tithed in the Old Testament. That's not bound in the New Testament. But he said, maybe that's a good starting point. And Brother Winkler said, there was an elderly lady in the audience who raised her hand. And she said, Brother Winkler, I want to ask you a question. And he said, okay. And she said, we always talk about giving 10% of our money to the Lord. She said, why don't we do the same thing with regard to our time. Why don't we give 10% of our time to the Lord? What a great suggestion. There are 168 hours in a week. If we round it off, you're talking about approximately 17 hours of your week given in the Lord's service. And so let's say that there is a man who spends one hour every day involved in prayer and Bible study. Prayer and Bible study, one hour every day. That would be seven hours a week. Let's say that that same man attends all of the services of the Lord's church Sunday morning, Sunday night. He's going to be there Wednesday night. He's going to do one other event, maybe a a men's training class, a fellowship meal, something like that, so that that totals five hours. So then he's got seven hours and five hours. That totals 12 hours. Let's say that same man gets off work every day at 4 o'clock. Let's say on Monday he goes and visits the nursing home and visits his brethren who are there, and he spends one hour doing that. Let's say on Tuesday, that same man says, I'm going to go to the hospital and I'm going to visit the sick, those who are my brethren, and maybe encourage some who are not. Let's say on Wednesday, he goes and spends one hour. He's gotten a list of visitors who have come to the congregation that week, and he says, I'm going to go and visit them. Let's say on Thursday, that man says, I know that some of my brethren have been unfaithful. I know they are slipping. I'm going to go visit them, and he spends one hour. When that man gets through with that, and he totals 17 hours that he spent, brethren, listen to me, he will still have 90% of his time left. We can do it. We just don't. Why is that? Maybe it's because we're distracted. Maybe it's because we spend 17% of our life watching television and on social media. Here's the second point. Number one, the devil is distracting us with, regard, with, with media with regard to our time. Number two, he is distracting us with regard to our morality. Now, I want to give you a breakdown of several, several different categories how the devil is using media to work on us. I want you to consider with me homosexuality. Has the devil used modern media to promote homosexuality? You turn on the television and you don't see if every single t- uh, TV program that comes on has a homosexual. And he's always going to be brilliant and smart and debonair. And there's always some, you know, hater who opposes him and they demonize him. I want to share with you some information, some stats here in a moment. In 2015, the Supreme Court of the United States legalized homosexual marriage in this country. A man could marry a man. A woman could marry a woman. Immediately after that, I saw a flood of things on social media, on Facebook, articles, blogs, and memes, and much of it was by members of the church, some of them who were saying things in defense of homosexuality. It was shocking to me. At the time, my daughter Macy was a student at Freed Hardman University. She's graduated now, but at that time, I called her, and I was talking to her about this, and I said, Macy, this is so troubling, and she said, Dad, a lot of students at Freed Hardman actually support homosexual marriage. 
And I said, Macy, no, I don't believe that. I said, Fried Hardman's one of the most conservative universities in our brotherhood. I said, that can't be true. She said, Dad, I am here. Trust me, I see it. I know what I'm talking about. I later asked uh, Brother uh, Winkler, Brother Dan Winkler. He teaches there. I said, is, is what my daughter said true? And he said, oh, yeah, it's true. But I got to thinking about this. What is the age of students at Fried Hardman University? 18 to 22? What has been going on in our country with regard to homosexuality for the last 25 years? If you're 22 years old, your entire life you have been bombarded with this. You have had this shoved down your throat. The media has brainwashed you with regard to this. And I think social media has contributed to this. If you see the articles and the memes defending homosexuality circulating all over Facebook, you think it has an effect on people? Let me read you some stats here. A couple of weeks ago, I pulled these stats. These are from a 2017 Pew Research poll. Poll. They said that 62% of Americans now support homosexual marriage. And then they broke it down this way. They said they broke it down by generation. What they call the silent generation. That's people born from 1928 to 1945. 41% support homosexual marriage. The baby boomers, that's people born from 1946 to 1964, 56%. I want you to notice how it climbs with each generation. When it gets to Generation X, that's my generation, people born from 1965 to 1980, 65% of them support homosexual marriage. When you get to the millennials, they're defining that as 1981 and later, 74% support homosexual. Three quarters of them. Now, I want to ask you the question, why is it that each generation younger supports it more and more? You think it's the work of the devil with the media? You think the devil's using modern technology to indoctrinate? Do you think the television shows that have the homosexuals? Do you think the things that we have on Facebook? Do you think all of these things are, are affecting the minds of each generation? Brethren, I don't know how you could argue anything other than that. And I tell you what the most shocking is. Out of curiosity, I went back and looked at the 2016 figures. One year earlier, in these two middle age groups from 2016 to 2017, support for homosexual marriage jumped by 10% in one year. Now that's shocking to me. What do you credit that to? What do you attribute that to in one year? Did you know that according to the latest Gallup poll, 51% of Americans now believe that people who are gay are born that way? They think that you were born that way. Now, statistics don't support that. Science doesn't support that. The Bible doesn't support that. In fact, what, uh, this is what science will tell us. There have been eight major studies done around the world that teach that people are not born as homosexuals. And so what they did in these eight studies to test people was this. They took two identical twins. And the reason they did this is if you're born that way, if it's, if it's related to your DNA, you see twins have identical DNA. And so if one is a homosexual, then the other should be a homosexual, if it is genetic. So if one is a homosexual, 100% of the time the other should be a homosexual. This is what they found. If you're talking about males and one brother is a homosexual, only 11% of the time was the other homosexual. If you're talking about females and one sister was a homosexual, a lesbian, only 14% of the time was the other a homosexual. Then what did they realize? It's not genetic. 
It's not, you're not born that way. There is no proof over and over and over the studies are saying that. Now, here's my question. If the evidence says just the opposite, why do the majority of Americans believe that we are born that way? And brethren, I think the answer is this, because the media and technology has done a good job of spinning it for us. That's what we see on the news. It's what you hear on Facebook. On my iPhone, I didn't bring it with me, it's on the pew, but on my iPhone, if you swipe to the, to, to the far left, you can set up a news feed. And I thought that would be good. Every morning I can just see what's going on in the world and, you know, get the headlines. And then it lets you select the sources that you want to get news from. The thing that was interesting to me was every choice that I had was a ranked liberal news outlet. Now, why is that? Probably because Apple's very pro-homosexual, probably because their CEO is homosexual, and so the news that they're going to feed us through this technology is going to be filtered that way. All right, that's enough of that. Let me move on to the next one. When it comes to the devil using uh, technology to influence us, he's certainly done it in the realm of homosexuality. But secondly, we have been distracted morally when it comes to the issue of pornography. Brethren, there is an epidemic in the United States of America with regard to pornography. When I was a kid, if a person wanted to buy pornography, they had to go to a store, and they had to buy it, and they had to walk up to the counter and pay for it, and somebody might see you, and and so there was kind of a built-in inhibition that would stop people from doing it. But it's not that way anymore. Why? Because of technology. Now, because of the Internet, people can view this in the privacy of their homes and nobody will ever know about it, so they think. No one will ever know about it. And it has gotten to the point now, according to the latest research, two-thirds of American men are regular pornography users. When I was living in South Carolina, my next-door neighbor came to my house one day. He wasn't a member of the church, but he knocked on my door. He knew I was a preacher. And he said, Don, I need some help. And I said, okay, what's up? He said, my wife has caught me repeatedly using cell phone pornography, and she's going to leave me. I didn't even know that was such a thing. But you see what the devil is doing? He's making it as convenient as your cell phone. They say two-thirds of Americans are now, two-thirds of American men are using pornography. This is how it breaks down. In the 18 to 30 age group, 79% of them use pornography regularly. In the 31 to 49 age group, it drops 67%. In the age 50 to 68, it drops to 50%. And this study said 30% of young men, they classify young men as 18 to 30. If you're over 30, sorry, you're not a young man according to them. But 18 to 30, 30% of them, they say view pornography every single day. And I tell you something, Facebook contributes to this. Somebody says, oh, Don, Facebook doesn't allow pornography. But I tell you what, it allows immodesty. And there are things on there, you know, girls post pictures in this, themselves with the bikini, and, and then these young boys look at that, and it gets the wheels turning in their mind, and it gets their hearts racing, and they want to see more, and it's as simple as a click of their cell phone. And it's right there. Next, the devil is using technology to distract us morally with regard to modesty. The devil has distracted, I, I would say, hurt us. Members of the Lord's church post and share immodest pictures. Members of the Lord's church are posting things that bring shame. Sometimes gospel preachers are posting things that are immodest. And I tell you what happens. 
People in the Lord's church see it and it spreads like wildfire and they'll think, well, if brother so-and-so does it, then it must be okay for me. And then it just becomes okay. And we've reached the point that modesty is almost something we don't cover in many places. It's just something that's almost taboo. If you preach on modesty, some places won't have you anymore. The devil has used technology to, to hurt us morally in the realm of entertainment. Brethren, I believe that the, that the devil has attacked us with regard to holiness, with regard to purity, largely through the use of the television set. Now, how does he do that? Let me give you a real-life example. Several years ago, my family started watching a program called House. It's about a doctor. His name was Dr. House. He was a lead doctor, and he had a team of doctors, and they solved, quote, mystery cases. And it came on TV one night. I'd never seen it before. I started watching it. It was a medical case. I thought it was fascinating. It was a mystery to see how they were going to solve this case. Pretty soon, I realized I was hooked on the show. Well, then I started noticing other things. I noticed that Dr. House was a drug addict. I noticed that Dr. House was exceedingly crude. He had a foul mouth. I noticed almost everybody on the show was sleeping around. I noticed that one of the key characters was a bisexual. They always have to get that in there. Dr. House was an atheist, and he liked to take jabs and make comments at at religion. And I didn't want to turn it off because I'd gotten hooked on the show. It, It was an interesting story, fascinating cases. And so I was just kind of stomaching the rest. You see how the devil works? You see how we get distracted by these things? One day I asked myself, what in the world are we doing? And I turned it off with the rule, that show will not be watched in this house anymore. See, the devil, he put a hook in us because we love that character and we like the storyline. And if we're not careful, we find ourselves rooting for the thief. We find ourselves rooting that this adulterous couple will get together and we become sympathetic to sin and, and we find ourselves... Morally, the walls begin to get broken down. And the devil is using technology against us with regard to our time, against us with regard to uh, morality. A few years ago, I was in College Station, Texas, and I was doing a gospel meeting. And one of the elders invited me to his house for lunch, and I noticed there was a sign sitting on his TV. It looked like a homemade sign, and, and I walked over to look at it out of curiosity, and this is what it said. I wrote this down. It said, how dare we be entertained by the things that sent Jesus to the cross. Isn't that good? How dare we be entertained by the things that sent Jesus to the cross with regard to technology and our entertainment and the kind of movies we watch and the television shows we binge watch on Netflix and Hulu. Let's keep that in mind. How dare we be entertained by the things that sent Jesus to the cross. Let me go to the third point. The devil has used technology to distract us from our mission. And by our mission, I mean our objective. I mean, why are we here? Why did God put us on this earth? I have a limited amount of time to be here. What am I supposed to be doing? What is my purpose on on this earth? Here's the answer. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord to receive glory and honor, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Brethren, according to that verse, my entire purpose for existence is to bring pleasure to God. Listen to this verse. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13. 
Solomon says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole. The King James has the word duty, the whole duty of man. In the King James, the word duty appears, but it's in italics. That means it's not in the original. It means they added it to help it flow more smoothly. I wish they hadn't added it, because when you take it out, this is what it says. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. This is the entirety of man. This is what man is about. Fear God and keep his commandments according to this verse. What's the purpose in life? The all of man, the purpose of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. And if I miss that, I have missed my entire purpose for existence. I might graduate top in my class. I might go to a great college I might get a master's degree, a Ph.D. I might make my parents proud. I might be a, a respected academic scholar. But if I fail to do this, my life's a failure. I have missed my whole purpose for existence. I might be a financial success. I might uh, build a successful company. I might be a successful banker. I might retire as a millionaire. But if I fail to do this, I failed. I have missed my purpose in life. I might be a famous doctor, world-renowned, so that my parents can brag about me and say, my son is Dr. So-and-so. I might find a cure to cancer. But if I fail to do this, my whole life is a waste. I might raise my son, who might work in a factory his whole life, but he may be a faithful Christian who fears God and keeps his commandments, and he's a success. You know what true success is? Dying and going to heaven. That's true success. I heard a story about a watchmaker who, during the Civil War, he was drafted. And so he went to war, and his his particular unit was positioned at a certain point, and and they just got kind of stalled out there for weeks, and so they just stayed there. And so they would camp during the day. They would stay there in the night. They were just waiting for their next deployment. And during that time, a lot of the other soldiers started bringing him their watches to repair. And so he had all these watches backlogged, and the day came that it was time to go to battle. And when they said it's time to deploy, he said, I can't possibly go to battle. I've got too many watches to repair. You see, he forgot why he was there. And brethren, sometimes we forget why we're here. Sometimes we get so caught up in the ball games and school and education and our occupation. We get so caught up in those things, we forget why we are here. I believe sometimes we get so caught up in our technology, we get 17% of our life spent in watching television and technology. You tell me that we haven't gotten distracted from our mission because of technology. And I believe we have raised up a generation who believes that their purpose in life is to be entertained all the time. They think we should never have a moment when I'm not being entertained. You don't believe me? Think about this. We've got our smartphones. On my smartphone, I've got music, I've got movies, I've got games. I don't ever have a minute when I'm bored. And then I've got my tablet. On that, it's linked to Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime. In fact, stats say 50% of American households now have streaming video. In our car, don't want to be bored when I'm in my car, do I? And so I've got a DVD player. I've got XM radio. I'm linked to Bluetooth, so I've got Pandora and Spotify. 
I go home, I've got Xbox and PlayStation, Nintendo, Dish Network, cable TV, every streaming service available. According to Nielsen ratings, 2016, the average American, now this is a different stat from the other, but Nielsen says the average American spends five hours and four minutes a day watching television. They say the bulk of that is on our HD TVs. 94% of Americans now have an HD TV. The rest of the time, most of it is spent on our tablets. 58% of American homes have tablets. In fact, this was an interesting stat. There is a new thing that people do called binge watching. Do you know what binge watching is? That's when you just watch program after another after another. And so they had this stat. Do you know how long it takes the average American household to watch an entire season of a television program? An entire season now, the average time to watch it is five days. Brethren, I don't know how we can look at these numbers and the hours spent and argue that we have not been distracted from our mission. I want you to do something for me. I want you to answer some questions. I don't, you don't say it out loud. Just think this to yourself. I want you to ask yourself tonight, how many hours have I spent in prayer this week? If it adds up to hours. Ask yourself the question, how many hours have I spent in Bible study this week? How many hours, or last week, we're at the first day of the week, how many hours did I spend last week attending the service? Now, if you attend all of them, you've got four or five hours there. How many hours did I spend in evangelism, visiting the hospitals, caring for the poor, involved in the work of the Lord? Now, on the other side of the scale, ask yourself, how much time did I spend on social media watching television? And you can answer the question, have I been distracted by media? In Luke 19.10, Jesus said that he came to this earth and his mission was to seek and save the lost. Brethren, as his body, our mission is the same thing. The mission that I have is to seek and save the lost, to fear God and keep his commandments. That's why I've been put here. John 9 and verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. In other words, I have a whole lot of work to do and a very limited amount of time to do it. True for us. I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to tell you, this lesson made me stop and realize... I've been distracted by technology, and I want to do better. In fact, I convicted myself watching this, and I thought, uh, what a shame on myself, because what I'm preaching, I am guilty of, and I will tell you that. But i tell you something else, I'm going to do better. It's helped me. You know, at one point in the life of Jesus, a lawyer came to him and asked him the question, good master, what is the greatest commandment in all of the law? Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. Matthew 22, 36 through 38. Brethren, may we never let our technology or anything else cause us to lose sight of that goal. Maybe you're here tonight, and maybe you're in that category. Maybe you say, I have spent a lot more time on these things. The devil has distracted me, and I want to fix that. If it's something you can take care of privately, I encourage you to do that. Maybe you're here tonight as a member of the Lord's body, but maybe you've conducted yourself publicly in such a manner that you need to deal with it publicly. If that is the case, we invite you to come forward tonight. We would count it an honor to go to God and pray for you and with you. 
Maybe you're here tonight and you need to obey the gospel. The Bible teaches if you are not a child of God, you become one by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ, by hearing it, believing it, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Jesus Christ, and being baptized for the remission of your sins, immersed in water to be added to the body of the Lord. Maybe you say, I've never heard that. I want to see book, chapter, and verse. Let's have a Bible study. There are men who will do that. Tony will do that. I'm in the area this week. I'll even do it. It is that important that you do that. Maybe this evening you say, I know exactly what I need to do, and I've waited long enough. Tonight, I want to obey the gospel, and we would be delighted to assist you. Tonight, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, won't you come? As together we stand and sing the invitation song.